The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How is your work life going? Business? Home? Social? How about your health? Could you make some changes? Of course you could, but how and where to start? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. In this program, we'll help you identify and make the changes in your life that need to be made, and by doing so, increase your potential for success. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, joined by Joan Satkin. Joan is a holistic prosperity and mindset mentor and professional speaker. She's the award-winning author of Build Your Money Muscles, Nine Simple Exercises for Improving Your Relationship with Money, and the host of her own podcast, The Prosperity Show. We're going to talk about how the emotional themes in your life relate to your financial patterns and how you can adapt healthier financial behaviors. Joan joins us virtually from beautiful and serene Santa Fe, New Mexico. Joan, I'm so honored to host you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. It's great to be here. Looking forward to it. From the serene serene city. I like the way you said that. (laughs) It's so good to feel the energy of where you are. I love desert environments. Yeah. One of the key points I know that you make that's really foundational in your work is that we need to address the emotional patterns that are the underpinnings of our financial behaviors. And if we don't do that, even if we go through some highs in terms of our finances, inevitably we're going to continue to repeat the same unhealthy financial behaviors. Yes. And, and you have to understand that everything about you is a habit. Everything you do is from a habitual place, your thoughts, your beliefs, your emotions, and your behaviors. And it's really important to understand that behind your behaviors, everything you do has a decision behind it, and every decision has an emotional base. And so when you understand this emotional force that's behind your decisions, you can make better decisions, and you can decide to alter your thought patterns, your emotional patterns, your beliefs, whatever it takes to get to a new place. You have to go through this process. One of the reasons people have an up-and-down pattern with their money is because they make a lot of money, but it just isn't comfortable about who they are because they're the same inside, the outside has changed, and and they really don't know how to deal with that. And I know that you help people also by talking about, for the most part, many people actually experience at least one of five main feelings that you talk about that they act out in their financial behaviors. Okay, so let's start by, by saying where the feelings come from. If you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, or older you're not making up new feelings. You started mm-hmm. with your feeling base when you were like a couple of days old. 
You learned your feelings from your parents. And, and if you had any kind of abuse, neglect, uh, if there was any kind of alcoholism or drug addiction in your family, any kind of childhood experience, that's going to affect how you developed emotionally. And there's also a genetic base to your, to your emotions. And so if you'll imagine with me what it's like to be brought up in a, in a home where your emotional needs aren't being met, where maybe you're being abused, the natural response for a child would be to feel alone. Uh, if there was no bonding, to have that longing for touch. So aloneness, shame, anger, deprivation, and a sense of being trapped are very common feelings that start so early in life that by the time you're 20, you don't even realize that those are your base feelings. Can, can you see that? Yeah, do you find that it's very surprising for people to actually have a realization that those experiences and those emotions that are still with them have such a strong impact on the outcomes that they experience today? Absolutely. And because I've been doing this so long, it's really easy for me to recognize what's going on. And in, in the last year or so, what I really came to understand is that one of our core needs is to feel connected and, and also to feel touched. That's what children need more than anything else, the little babies. And if you don't bond with your parents from the very beginning, there's always going to be that sense of longing for touch and connection. And it's so ingrained in us, we don't even realize it's there. So when we're craving more money... What we're really craving is more touch and more connection. When people are under-earners or over-earners, I call people who, who have millions and millions and billions as over-earners because no one needs that much money. And why is it that they always need more? Because there's this craving, this longing that starts so early in childhood. And once you, you recognize these deep feelings that are so much a part of you, you don't even know that they're there, that's when you can really make major changes in your life. Just that awareness offers some freedom, right? Because it's so, it's so hampering when people yes. continue to experience that year after year after year, they somehow still feel that there's this wall around them that they can't get past. Right, right. And that, that wall is, is caused by your need to keep being who you've been. It's like the thing I'm talking about is, is actually, I, I see it from a neuroscience point of view now, you're actually talking about altering your brain patterns because every habit is something that happens in your brain. So you have to go through a process of recognizing what's going on, releasing what was there before, letting go, uh, replacing what used to be there with something else, and, and repeating the process over and over again. And most people get hung up at the, they, they recognize it, but then when you have to go through the replace 
replaced, repla- replaced at repeat uh, fra- phases, and the releasing, they give up because it feels so unfamiliar. And that's what causes the resistance. Some people call it self-sabotage, where you'll be moving in a new direction, and suddenly it's back to what it was. Because what it was, even if that's uncomfortable, it's familiar, and you're going to protect that, rather than going someplace new where you have no idea what the result of your behavior is going to be. So do you find that sometimes in working with clients that they really decide that they're not going to go past a certain point, that they may make some progress, but they decide that it's too uncomfortable for them to move, move through that phase that feels more ambiguous where they, they don't feel themselves anymore? That's not how they word it. They say, I don't think I can afford this anymore. It often happens after the third or fourth session when they start making progress. And they'll say to me, well, I don't know if I should continue doing this. I'm not sure I can, I can afford it. My husband or wife doesn't want me to do this. Whatever the excuse is, there's always a way of saying, uh, I better stay where I am. It's like getting married or being in a relationship, right? You can have this visualization, and a lot of times we visualize all of the good stuff, but we don't visualize a, a true understanding of what the change process is and what it requires. Right. The, I had a, a talk the other day with two neuroscientists, and they agreed with my point of view. I call it the moving stupids. You know when you move from one house to another and you really want to be in the new house, but you get really stupid. You bump into walls, you don't know where anything is, you lose your wallet, you lose your keys. It's because, if you think about this from a scientific point of view, anytime you're trying to do something new, you're creating new neural pathways in your brain. And while you're doing this, you still have the old neural pathways in your brain. So when you start to do something, it gets uncomfortable and disorienting because your brain isn't quite sure which direction to go in. And, and so you actually feel unfamiliar, uncomfortable with going in the new direction. And until you realize that that's a positive thing, it means you're changing, people tend to go back to where they were. Right. So inherent in this process is that there are going to be periods where you're not feeling necessarily so great or so high, even though you're moving in a positive direction to change some of those behaviors and those emotional patterns. Right. You're going to feel disoriented. And when I work with groups of people, you'll hear them say out loud many times, someone said to me this morning, I've got the moving stupids. <laughs> Once you understand what the moving stupids are, you actually look forward to them because it means you're moving forward. If you if you always feel the same as you've always felt, you're you're not making progress. Right, you're working with people on a really deep level where it's not yes. just a it's not a one time event. It's not just a change. It's actually really a transformational experience. Right, and I find that. Within three months, people can make uh, a really, really decent changes 
when I work one-to-one. Uh, I know some people just read my book and they make this incredible change. Once they understand that it's a process, it's not like you're changing a channel. You're not leaping from one point to another. You're morphing from where you are to where you're going. And, and there will be times when it gets confusing and you're not sure what to do next. And those are the times when you don't do anything. You just sit still and, and wait for the urge to do the next thing. And you're not going to get it right every single time. And, and that's part of the process, too, is learning that success requires that you do get out of your comfort zone from time to time, and you're not always going to get it right the first time. I don't see that there are mistakes. I just see that there are things that we do. I don't see it as good or bad. I don't think any, any event is inherently good or bad. It just is what it is. And how you deal with it is what matters. And once you understand that it doesn't have to be perfect every single time, it gives you the freedom to try different pathways. It's such a gift that you're encouraging people to adopt a really non-judgmental perspective about themselves because that affords you a lot more freedom. That's absolutely essential. To me, to, to learn to love yourself and to accept yourself, whatever's going on, is one of the core principles of becoming a successful person. You can make lots of money and have a really successful business, but that doesn't mean that internally you're, you're comfortable, peaceful, happy with yourself. And, and to me, that's what success is about, is being able to express yourself freely in the world and be comfortable with whatever you're doing. It doesn't mean that once you reach a point of comfort, it's always going to be comfortable. I've been going through something lately where... I, I'm really not quite sure which direction I'm going in. And I started doing something, and I'm looking back at it now, and I see that I, mm, I have to do a little more with it. It's not quite right. And those, you know, creativity can be a little uncomfortable. One of my teachers used to call it divine discontent, mm-hmm. where, where you know you want to do something, and it's that itchy feeling inside, I'm not sure what to do. And you have to get through that period as well. And even you guiding so many people through this process and having guided yourself through it so well that you created this coaching methodology that you have are pointing out that it's just a constant in your life that you're going to be in a space where you just have uncertainty and you're yes. trying to find your way. Yes, and to me that, that, that's one of the things that any entrepreneur needs is being able to deal with uncertainty. And if, if you're not feeling this divine discontent every once in a while, you're pretty much stuck. And people wonder why they're stuck. It's because they're not willing to, to ask that question, which direction should I go in and let me try this one and see if it works. And, and you know, I work mostly, mostly with entrepreneurs or people who want to be entrepreneurs. And, in, as, as a business person, and I've been in business for, my, with my, for myself for over 35 years, and it's not a steady path. <laughs> it just is not. It, it goes up and down and up and down, and hopefully the, each time you go down, it's higher than the last one, so that the ups are higher and so are the downs. 
so that it's, it's like a stairway from, from where you are to where you're going. And, and it's, it's like if you look at a stock chart, you rarely see a straight line up. It's usually up and down and up and down, and, and it's climbing a hill, and that's what you want to do. So we're going to depart from this first segment with that wonderful message that when you're feeling those stirrings, that experience of discomfort, it's a knock on the door that lets you know that you really need to be alert in those moments and pay attention to whatever the need for change is at that time. Right. We're going to go to a quick commercial. When we come back, we'll talk more about how you can change the tide of your current financial patterns and adapt healthier financial behaviors. Stay with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. Welcome back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, speaking with holistic prosperity and mindset mentor Joan Sotkin, who joins us virtually from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Joan talked about the importance of identifying the emotions that are acting out through your financial behaviors, releasing these emotional states, and adopting new emotional states that support healthier financial behaviors. So, Joan, I know that you, you, this is a very, very foundational approach that you have and you feel that that's significant for, pe- for people to be able to move forward. And once you've worked with them on addressing the emotional underpinnings that are driving their financial behaviors, what other steps do you introduce into the coaching process? Well, I actually do it simultaneously. I, you know, it, to me, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, it's all at once. In other words, if, if a person is developing their emotional intelligence, uh, then along with that, they're also looking at behaviors. You don't just sit and look at your, your emotions. That, I'm not a therapist. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we usually learn by doing. So I'll, I'll find out what they're doing in their business or what they're doing in their, with their money, and, and we find out what they're feeling. And one of my jobs is to help people be able to express what they're feeling because most people are not in touch with their emotions. And then to remember where those feelings come from 
And then we go through a process of releasing the feelings and changing the behavior. When you actually change the behavior, you're also changing the, the thoughts and beliefs and emotions behind that behavior. That's why it gets disorienting, because you're changing more than one thing at a time. Is there an example that you could offer of that process? Sure. Um, I was working with someone recently, and he, he works at a high-level uh, job and, and uh, understands that he should be making more than he is. And, and I agreed. Given his potential, uh, he's a guy with a really strong physical presence and very dynamic and, and he's always having trouble with his money. So we looked at uh, his, we, we were looking at his relationship with uh, the person to, for whom he's a direct report. He's actually in this business environment. And, and he realized afterwards how codependent he was being with this woman. And being able to see how his... Patterns with his mother were being acted out. And once he realized it, he was able to step into a much stronger position. And within a couple of weeks, things started actually changing financially. I could see how it's helpful, though, to have someone who's skilled like you to, to assist with that diagnosis part because... Even if we step back and we reflect on our own experiences and the dynamics, it can still be hard to confirm and, and use that information beneficially. Absolutely. Very good point. Because remember, you're going to, on, on this very subconscious level, protect who you've been. So when you're going to go only as deep as you can to keep yourself comfortable. The minute you go into this really deep place, it can get a little scary and it helps to have someone holding your hand, so to speak. And I've been through the process. This, this process wasn't something I read about somewhere. This is something I had to figure out. And I had two millionaire brothers. I couldn't rub two pennies together and I was trying to figure out why. And I began to look deep within and once I realized that I had to develop emotional intelligence, although I didn't have that phrase at the time. Um, I, I just really dove into it. And, and because we're all connected, it's not like we're separate. There's, there's this energy that connects us all. And because I'm not afraid of your feelings, I can actually go into your emotional body with you and help you safely go in there. How do people release those kinds of emotions? There's, there's lots of different techniques. I happen to use one called Be Set Free Fast I use occasionally. I also teach people how to make the sound of their emotions. Once I teach people how to get into the, the kinesthetic experience, you don't feel your emotions in your head. If you close your eyes and think about an emotion, you're going to feel it in your chest, in your abdomen, in your shoulders, because you have these receptors in your cells that are, that are attaching 
these neuropeptides that are these little molecules of emotion are attaching to, to your organs. And, and once you express the feeling, then, then it goes away. It's when you hold on to it that it causes a problem. So I teach people to feel whether they feel contracted or expanded. It can be that basic. Like when you look at your checkbook, very few people look at their bank balance and go, oh, whoopee, look what I've got. <laughs> you know, they look at the bank balance and, and it's, a, it's a, oh, it's usually shame or deprivation. Or, but it's a very contracted feeling. You don't have to have the words. You just have to know that you feel contracted. And to close your eyes and think about where you're feeling that. Are you feeling it all over? Are you feeling it in your chest, in your abdomen? And then if you're feeling it in a particular location, you put your hand over that area and you make a noise. You make the sound of the feeling. No words, just a sound. And most people start out with little tiny sounds. And <laughs> to get to the point where you're letting it out and really expressing it. And once you do that, that energy of that, that repressed emotion is being let out of your system and, and another layer will come up. I mean, it's a process, but that's the simplest way to express an emotion. It sounds like a very natural process if you have yeah. the kind of guidance that you're offering, that supportive yeah. guidance, with, which oftentimes we need. Because it could, and I could see why you focus on this it's such an important focus because it could be so debilitating and paralyzing and can lead to people getting sick if they're not addressing that emotional component. And you got it right. The getting sick part, you're absolutely right. Because most dis-ease has an emotional ba- base. There's a whole field of study, psychoneuroimmunology, where they put the, 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 together the emotions and the disease. There's a wonderful book out now called Childhood Disrupted, How Your Biography Affects Your Biology and How to Heal It. And it, it shows if you take this adverse childhood experience test, which is online, and if you get a, even a one score on this test, you're going to have some problems in your life. But she, she puts together not only like... When, uh, if a parent dies when you're a child, that it's very possible that you're going to have heart problems. I have a client whose mother committed suicide when he was sick, six, and, and she, he wound up having heart surgery when he was in his 40s. So there's a connection. It also affects you on a genetic basis. If you've had any kind of abuse or neglect or the things I mentioned before, it actually causes genetic variations that can cause their own symptoms. It's a very logical approach that you have. Yeah. I, you know, when there's a feeling on the, on the personal growth and development path that you have to fix all these things that are wrong with us. No. My question always is why? How does this happen? We, we live in a machine. <laughs> our, you know, our consciousness lives in this machine. And once you understand how the machine works, then you can logically fix it. It seems also that once you're accessing the emotions and you go through that process of expressing them in some way, like you were saying that you find it in your body, 
where it resides and you communicate some kind of sound that can maybe be low in the beginning, but then you can build up a little bit of momentum to free up that energy that I would guess then there's a natural momentum that happens from there that that energy transfers in a way that is that supports you. So I'm just wondering about kind of that third part about adopting the new emotional states that support the healthier financial behaviors. Right, and, and you're right. It's like each time you go through one of these steps, things will come into your life that are unfamiliar to you because your energy is different. New people come in, new ideas come in, new opportunities show up. And, and it's not just the thoughts, beliefs, emotions, and decisions. It's also what you're eating, how well you're sleeping. And, and once you do the emotional release, you're more willing to take care of yourself, which means you're eating better and you're taking care of your money because your money is part of you. It's not separate from you. It's, in, it's an extension of you. And when you're taking care of yourself in a really good way, then, then your life gets better. I mean, doesn't that make sense? It, well, you're showing that you value yourself and you're yes. investing in developing yourself, which is then a reflection, as you point out, of how other people see you because that's what you're communicating through your actions. Absolutely. That's why that love yourself piece is at the base of all of this. You can't, you can't reach your potential, it's a phrase a lot of people use, until you understand who you are and, and how valuable you are. People have this not enough thing about themselves because of their childhood experiences. They don't realize that they have value just for being alive. Every human being is so different from every other human being. And what you, who you are and, and how you live your life adds to the world. So if you can be in this peaceful, loving, productive space, however you want to define it, that's what you're adding to the world. But it starts with loving yourself and being willing to be who you are not who, trying to be who someone else is. And I know that you point out that that can be a very challenging process. If you think be, being Joni Sotkin has been easy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, this was, it, wasn't easy. <laughs> well, the fact that you're, you've done it and you're continuing to do it and you're offering this example to everyone that it can be done. And this yes. is, as you're saying, you're pointing to different research that supports all of this. I'm reading a little bit more nowadays about sports psychology. Since mental toughness and your whole mental state is something that's being emphasized in every arena and high performance, and one of the distinguishing factors of people who perform optimally is that these are people who believe in their capabilities, and it sounds like that's what you're talking about. Yes, yes. It, it starts in the mind. Do you know that, if, speaking of sports, if you practice in your mind... It has the same effect as practicing for real. There have been a number of studies to show this. When I talked to the neuroscientists the other day, they, they said absolutely that if you want to achieve, achieve something, you can actually practice doing it in your mind. The thing is, like if you practice being wealthy, like 
you imagine that you just got a check for $50,000 or whatever the number is you want to look at, you're also going to feel the fear that you're going to feel when that comes into your life. So you can actually deal with it before you're actually doing it in the world. You know, people, they wish they would win the lottery or, or suddenly big money would come. And then you have to learn how to deal with the money. And if you don't learn how to deal with the money, it's going to go away. And so it's complicated because humans are complicated. And, and you have to take it one step at a time and realize that wherever you are today is going to get you where you're going. You just have to take it one step at a time, love yourself at every step, and, and opportunities will come along. It's your fear of the unknown that is keeping you from becoming who you're becoming. And that's another strength on the list of high performers is having that confidence right, that sometimes we can really doubt if we're not seeing the concrete results that we and others assess us by, then we can wonder really whether what we're doing now and what's happening now is on track. And right. it seems like you're saying that that all of this is part of the equation of being on track and that you have to take the next step. Don't don't stop short of the next step. Right. And don't quit before the miracle, as they say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you, people usually quit a little bit too soon. You know, there was a period when I was homeless. Um, I called it my spiritual journey. I had never knew where my food was coming from or where money was coming from. It was, I gave everything I owned away and I just wandered. And everyone thought I was really nuts. My, everyone, they were nice to me because my parents didn't want me to become totally schizophrenic. So <laughs> it was quite an experience. And as I look back on it now, this was in the 1970s, it was the most valuable time of my life. And there was no way that I could have known that when I was in the midst of that drama. I was sick physically, emotionally, financially, and somehow that part of my life turned out to have enormous value. Joan, I can imagine that just thinking about the idea of wandering is terrifying to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Well, most people are not going to do it. <laughs> I don't you know, the abyss. It's, it's not something I'm going to do again. Right, it's not an easy experience, but you, you, you found you really found so much insight and so much clarity to that process. It seems. Well, I, I, and I, I had gone through this thing where I started receiving this guidance. I was, I was really out there. And, and I started having these very strange, other-dimensional experiences, and it was so fascinating to me that I was willing to do whatever I had to do to understand what that was. Yeah, and that seems like it comes back to what you talk about, which is about cultivating your own intuition and, and going with that, yes. such that you don't feel that even even when you're in at the type of situation that you describe, which, like you said, a lot of people may not venture into, that you that you can still step into it, knowing that it's something that's a part of your process, and that you'll you'll come back out on the other side with valuable 
insights and other things for your growth. Right. One of the questions I always ask is, what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is I die, and then it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, we're, we're plunging. It's, it's like plunging to your death, right, in some way, because yeah. life as you know it and you as you know it is going to be yeah, different. And I, maybe it, deep down we know that, and that's why, like you said, we don't go, we don't go there. Right, and that's why coaches have be, become so popular, because they help us go someplace we can't go alone. And that's a wonderful segue for our next commercial. And when we come back, we'll talk more about that process that you're describing about effectively managing the change that you might go through and also some tools to get you started on this process that Joan is describing. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. We're back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, joined virtually by prosperity and mindset mentor, Joan Sotkin. Joan talked about some of the steps through which she coaches clients on improving their financial and business success. And we've been talking a lot about the process of change and how challenging that can be. So, Joan, I'd love for us to talk a little bit more about that and any recommendations that you can offer since you mentioned that we can expect to be disoriented, even if good things are happening, when we're changing the way that we're doing things. I think most important is to understand that Whatever you're going to be doing, hopefully, is unfamiliar. Not Now, the whole thing is, in, in other words, you, you may be doing something where there are pieces of the familiar and pieces of the unfamiliar. To me, the most important thing is to not be in a hurry to reach an end point because there really is no end point. Here I am, you know, I've been doing this stuff for 40 years, and I'm still moving forward because... Uh, I I never got married, or well, I got married a couple times, but <laughs> it don't count. It. <laughs> um, and I never had children, so it's just me that I'm dealing with, and I'm constantly looking at new vistas, and I don't think it ends. And each time you you go to the next step, 
there are parts of you that have to go through a change. And once you understand that, then it's not like you're reaching your income potential. What the heck is that? When people say that to me, you know, it just means like you feel you haven't accomplished enough. But there is no number that is your income potential. It's just feeling like you're not enough. So it's like being able to be in the moment and 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 be really aware of what's going on in the moment. You know, and what happens when people start going through change, they start having imaginings about the future and they start worrying. And actually, anytime you're worrying about the future, you're making up a story that isn't true because you can't possibly imagine what is two steps ahead from where you are. So the important thing is to stay very focused in where you are, be okay with where you are, and and stuff's going to happen on a daily basis that you deal with. You can have goals and hopes for the future, but, you know, there's all these smart goals where you're supposed to be really specific and how much do you want to earn and this sort of thing. And And that's good for creating some strategies. But what happens is people will say, well, I want to earn uh, twice as much as I'm earning now. Let's say a person's earning $50,000 and they want to earn $100,000. Well, they have no idea what that really means in their life. They just think about the things they're going to buy or the, you know, sending the kids to school and if only I had more money, I could be more comfortable. But the fact is you have to learn to be comfortable where you are in order to be comfortable in the future. So the trick is really learning how to be present with where you are, what you're feeling today, to understand that if you're making up stories about the future, they're just stories. If you're spending time in the past, that's a waste of time because that's gone already. And, and to be able to really ask yourself on a daily basis, what, what do I, what do I want to be doing today and how can I make that happen? That seems like a really good tie-in to the prosperity journal that you talk about. Would you share a little bit more about that and any suggestions that you have around maintaining that kind of journal? Okay. Well, I, I, like, I liked journaling when I was – I don't do it much anymore because I just don't need to do that as much. But I think it's really good as you're moving along to write down what you're going through and, as, and not, to not do a lot of uh, – Today, I, you know, it shouldn't just be, you know, telling what you did. I think it's good to write down what you're feeling and also what you're doing with your money. You know, I, I tried saving some money today, had a little problem with that. It felt really uncomfortable. And, and to just write down your progress so when you look back at it six months from now, a year from now, you see where you started from and where you've been, and you realize you're making a whole lot more progress than you thought you were. And combined with that, I think it's good when you're going through this process, particularly if you don't have a coach, is to have a prosperity buddy, someone who's going through the process as you are, and to learn to talk about money and to share on this very vulnerable level. Most people are afraid to talk about money. And... 
that's a big problem because if you can't talk about it, then it's pretty hard to deal with it. And so it's good to get a good friend or actually we sometimes do this on one of my programs where people who don't even know each other get together and they just share each day what they're doing about their money and what progress they're making. And that helps from the standpoint of getting support, tracking where you are, like you said, being present, but still being mindful that in being present, you can actually make a lot of progress. And feeling connected. To me, that's the bottom line. Uh, you, you can't sit home alone and, and never connect to other human beings and feel connected. You have to get out there and take a chance and connect to other human beings who can sometimes be difficult to deal with. It's not like it's easy. <laughs> and, and to get over that need to be okay. If you're okay with yourself, then other people will feel that and you really don't have to worry. People tend to be judgmental and, and you know, part of not being codependent, there's an a, a affirmation that's used at Codependence Anonymous, which is, what you think of me is none of my business. And, mm-hmm. and it's learning how to just be present and be okay with who you are because there's no parent in the sky telling you that you shouldn't be doing what you're doing today. You're making a choice to do what you're doing. I could see how just that, having that approach of being able to receive yourself as you are already puts you in a much better place to proactively work toward improving I have, this, I have this little dog, Angel, who's a little 15-pound terrier <laughs> who gets whatever she wants. <laughs> and we go to this big dog park every day, which has trails, and we spend a lot of time there. And everybody loves her because she has this attitude that I teach to all my clients, which is, I'm here, I have every right to be here, and I know you're going to love me, and you can scratch my back now. <laughs> you know, and if we could all think that way, it would be a much happier world. How does the goal-setting process and the tips that you offer around goal-setting fit in with the Prosperity Journal? Well, goal-setting, people tend to set unrealistic goals for themselves. Uh, I think it's good to sell, set realistic goals that are reachable and to salib- celebrate every time you reach a goal. Now, of course, if you don't like yourself, then you're not going to let yourself do that. So mm-hmm. kind of all ties in. And, you know, to write down your goals, if you have them, I have income goals. I have, you know, right now I'm in that confused state because I'm not sure where I want to put all my attention. But I kind of know what I want it to all wind up as because <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm, I have to build up a, a, a pile before before too long, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to do that right now because I haven't paid attention to that along the way. I notice also on your website that you have a tab on joansotkin.com that's called Success Profile where mm-hmm. you take a look at, you, you offer a variety of assessments and you integrate the findings of that assessment and make it really usable for people. So you take a look at strengths, you take a look at values, you take a look at communication style, you take a look at what motivates people, and also what are the blocks that people have to using their strengths to their fuller potential. Right, and the, one of the assessments that I use, which is the Hartman values pro, Value Profile, measures critical thinking capacity. 
Some people just don't see things as easily as other people. And once you realize where, what your blockers are, what, what, your, what you don't see clearly, then you can either get help or learn how to do it differently. Uh, I, I find assessments fascinating. I don't use them all the time, but I use them with a lot of my clients. And, and I, I take the test myself every once in a while and, and find the information very helpful. In other words, it was interesting. I wanted to do it. I've only taken the test, I think, three times. And the other, a couple of weeks ago I did it. I was curious to see if, what had changed, if anything. And it showed that I, my decisions aren't as clear as they used to be because I'm in this, uh, unsure place about which direction I'm going in. But it helps you to see, you know, how well you make decisions when faced with problems, challenges, or opportunities. Most people are afraid to take the test because they're not, they don't want to find out. <laughs> it's like, why do I find out that I'm really awful? Part of this process that is, is building the courage to know, right? That yes. It, it yes. helps you to clarify your vision during especially during times that for you feel ambiguous and you and I had talked during the commercial about sometimes you're in this place where you're successful all these years and then somehow and the environment changes market conditions change you change your lifestyle needs change and you find that it's not the same anymore and that can really be a blow oh yeah I mean it's like now right now we're in a period of great uncertainty uh, certainly financially, I keep abreast of financial news, and there are a lot of really heavy hitters who are saying we're in trouble. Well, what, what's going to happen? What does that mean if the stock market crashes again or there's a, there's a housing bubble? Right now, there's an auto loan bubble. There's all these bubbles that are forming. And, and the, the idea, as from my point of view, is to be able to understand that you can solve problems to take care of your money in such a way that you have enough of a cushion that you're not going to be knocked out of the the box tomorrow. And, of course, that's difficult because there's so many things going on financially for people. Uh, You know, the the average person does not feel they're doing well, and part of that is because they don't know how to manage their money. And and they're always craving more than they have. I'm a bit of a minimalist, and 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 I've also reached that age where I don't want a lot of stuff. And it's our desires that often put us in a vulnerable position. You know, if you if if you know that there's stuff coming down the pike financially, and there appears to be, and we're in a time of great chaos. Well, if that's true, why don't I acknowledge it and ask myself, what would I do if the worst happens? And what's the worst that's going to happen, and how will I deal with it? I mean, you have to have a, be able to come up with a strategy for yourself. And, and to just say, oh, the government will take care of me, uh, is not going to work, because they're not going to take care of you. And, and I know I used to always try to figure out who I could borrow money from. <laughs> and I realized I have to take care of me and I have to figure out a way of, of dealing with whatever's going on. And that's a beautiful point for our wrap-up. We're already at that point. 
And we're so thankful, Joan, for all of this wonderful guidance and in this process that we continuously have to revisit around financial management, we keep having to come back to it. We're lucky to have the resources that you offer. And I wanted to thank you, first of all, so much and to extend the very generous opportunity that you're offering to listeners of the show. Well, one is I'll say that you can learn more about Joan's holistic approach to business and financial success by reading her book. Build Your Money Muscles, Nine Simple Exercises for Improving Your Relationship with Money. And Joan's making this opportunity really easy for you because she's very generously and graciously offering a free copy of her book, which you can get if you go to prosperityplace.com slash B-Y-M-M free. So that's slash B-Y-M like Mary, M like Mary, the word free. And I have to say, after reading your book, Joan, which you generously offered to me as well, that it's such a healing experience to read the book. And I really hope that you seize the opportunity to do that. Joan also provides a wealth of resources on her website, prosperityplace.com, where you can subscribe to her Prosperity Tips newsletter. You can listen to her podcast, The Prosperity Show. You can learn more about her coaching approach. And if you have comments or unanswered questions about the episode today, I welcome you to share them with me by emailing me at hosthemda at gmail.com. You can also share your comments and questions by following me on Twitter at Hemda Mizrahi and liking us on Facebook at Turn the Page Radio. Until next week, remember to make the grass greener where you are. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, inviting you to turn the page. Thank you for tuning in to our program. Turn the Page can be heard live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, enjoy your weekend and make one change in your life before then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.